Well, good morning, church. It's good to be together again. Amen. Listen, I know that so many people are struggling at this time, you know, either with COVID or you are recovering or maybe you're in isolation. We are praying for you. Okay. We're trusting God for complete healing and complete restoration. Let's be praying for one another, covering one another in prayer. Amen. And let's keep on trusting the Lord to get us through this pandemic. Amen. This week, I want to talk to you about the forgotten son. Last week, we spoke about the prodigal son, and we learned about a father's love for his son. And in so doing, we learned a little bit, a little bit more about the father's love for us. If you missed that service, please go to our website and listen to that message. It will bless you. You will remember that when Jesus told that parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, he was surrounded by tax collectors and sinners, Pharisees and scribes. You will remember that uh, the religious guys, which were the Pharisees and scribes, were the, the religious people, and they thought that they were better than the other people, the regular uh, sinners. And so they were shocked that Jesus, being a rabbi, being a teacher, would mix with those sinners. And so Jesus began to tell stories, parables. Uh, to the religious guy, it was irreprehensible that he should meet with the sinners. And so through these parables, Jesus begins to illustrate to these guys a little bit of the Father's love and mercy. You see, God is a God of love and mercy. He's a God of grace. But these religious people were having a hard time understanding this concept. They believed their good works made them acceptable to God, much like the older brother in the prodigal son's story. He thought through his good works in his father's house, he could make him worthy you know, and better than his brother. That is why he had such a hard time rejoicing the fact that his younger brother had returned. And so this week I've been thinking about God's grace. I thought a lot about God's grace. And, and this is what I want to speak to you about this morning. However, instead of expanding and expounding on the meaning of grace, I thought that a story from the Bible might better illustrate the meaning of grace. And this brings us to the story of the forgotten son. You may have heard the story before, but it is not a story you hear about often. And so I don't blame you if you have forgotten it. Yet it is a moving story that illustrates the goodness of God towards us. This is a real story, not a parable like the story of the prodigal son. This story actually happened about 3,000 years ago, and it is documented in the book of 2 Samuel, chapters 4 and 9. The story has two main well-known characters, David and Jonathan. We all know the story of David. He came out of the pastures where he tended his father's sheep to become a national hero by killing the Philistine giant Goliath. David became a great warrior and he became king of Israel after Saul's death. And then there is Jonathan, who was David's best friend. 
Jonathan was Saul's son. He and David had been closer than brothers. When Saul was trying to kill David, Jonathan helped David escape. Before David left Jonathan for the last time, he and Jonathan made a covenant. That covenant is found in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 13 to 15. King Saul was pursuing David, and Jonathan told David that he would warn him of his father's plans so that David could escape. So let's read this passage. This is Jonathan speaking, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 13 and 15. Jonathan said, If it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. And the Lord be with you, as he has been with my father. You must remember that Saul had been anointed by God and God had been with Saul in a, in a great way. It was only after Saul turned away from the Lord's will that he lost his anointing and his position. Jonathan remembers that and uh, he knows that God has chosen David to be the next king. And that is why he says this. Let's continue reading verse 14. And you shall not only show kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall also not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Now, why does Jonathan speak like this? You see, it was custom in those days that when a new king came into power, he would completely eliminate all descendants of the previous king. This was to ensure that none of the previous royals would come and challenge his position as king. Now, Jonathan knew this was the practice. And so, by this covenant, he wants to secure his life and the life of his descendants once David becomes king. Through this covenant, David would always try to take care of Jonathan's family, even after Jonathan was gone. So that's the quick story of David and Jonathan up to the point of today's story. The third character in our story is the forgotten son. He's not as well known as David and Jonathan. His name is Mephibosheth. We first hear of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. Israel went out to war with the Philistines, and in the battle, both Jonathan and King Saul were killed. 2 Samuel 4 verse 4 says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was a son of Jonathan. His father and grandfather were killed in battle with the Philistines. His nanny got that news and decided to hide out with him to keep him from being killed. She grabbed the boy and took off running. 
fleeing. As they were running away, the boy fell and injured both his feet. The fall injured Mephibosheth's feet so badly that he was crippled the rest of his life. By the time of our passage of our story, Mephibosheth is in Lodabar. Lodabar means without posture or desolate or barren. He's living in the desert, in the middle of nowhere, which is perhaps the best place for the descendant of a previous king to live. He didn't want to be found out. He had become the forgotten son of Jonathan. He belonged to the royal family, but he was forgotten, living in a barren, hopeless place. He was from the royal family. He should have been a prince or even the king, but he was out in the barren place, crippled and forgotten. He had no hope, no future. He was just wasting away in his dreadful life, one slow day after another. Now, to the events of our story. We find this account in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Let us read. Verse 1. Now David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And so, when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of the Lord, of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Why do you think he was doing that? Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Now, this is an interesting expression. And if you've got dogs, you love dogs as pets, must remember back in those days, dogs were not pets. They were wild animals. They were looked down on. And so this guy saw himself not just as a dog, as a repugnant animal, but as a dead dog, as if he didn't exist. That is how low. He was feeling about himself. But the king wouldn't hear of it. The king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. 
and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. <laughs> Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both his feet. I don't know if you notice how many times they seem to repeat this. He was lame at both his feet. You see, because back in the day, the king didn't want to be surrounded by someone who's lame at both his feet. The king wanted to be surrounded by noble dignitaries, warriors, strong people. And so you need to understand what a great act this was, where the king takes this man, lame at both feet, a man who saw himself as a dead dog, nobody, and he brings him into his home. You see, David had not forgotten his promise to Jonathan. David was faithful to his promise to Jonathan. Once his kingdom was established, he asks around and finds out that one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's told that Mephibosheth is a cripple. Mephibosheth's condition didn't deter David from fulfilling his commitment to the covenant. He didn't care what kind of shape he was in. He had Mephibosheth brought to the palace. Mephibosheth was scared to death when he got to David. The crippled man fell down on his face before David. He laid on the floor, not knowing what was going to happen to him. He was probably fearing for his life. But David blessed him above anything he could have imagined. He told Mephibosheth not to be scared. David restored everything to him that his family had once owned. But the greatest thing was this. He would spend the rest of his life eating with the king, at the king's table. Wow! Mephibosheth went from desolate to the king's table. One day, he's just existing. The next day, he's living life to the fullest. Because of the king, Mephibosheth was a new man. And that is what grace looks like. Grace is unmerited favor. David gave Mephibosheth everything just because David wanted to. He decided to be faithful to his promise and he followed through. Mephibosheth benefited from something that he had nothing to do with. He did nothing to earn it or to deserve it. This story paints a beautiful picture of grace. We always love to hear stories like this. We love to hear of people reaching out to others for no other reason than that they want to. We love to hear stories where there are no motives or anything to gain from graceful acts. This story is more than some random act of grace that happened 3,000 years ago. 
It's an illustration of grace available to us today. So many times, Old Testament stories are illustrations of how God acts towards us. And this is one of them. God is represented by David here. And we are all Mephibosheth. We are Mephibosheth. We may not be living in the Middle East. We may not have crippled feet. But we have been crippled since birth. We've been crippled by the fall. We've been crippled by the deadly disease of sin. It's a condition we've been born with. Morally speaking, we cannot live up to the perfect standards of God. Physically speaking, we all face pain and sickness and eventually death. Spiritually speaking, we cannot make ourselves righteous enough to approach God. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't escape our sinful nature. We can't even remember our first sin because sin has been ingrained in us since birth. We may not be as bad as someone else. And so like those Pharisees and, and Sadducees, we may consider ourselves better than the other sinners. <laughs> but deep down, we know we are guilty. Every day, the weight of sin on our shoulders becomes heavier and heavier. And so we try to do something about it. We try to do better. We move one step forward <laughs> and then we slip two steps back. Just when you think we're getting better, we stumble and slip back. We may look good on the outside. We may put on a good face, but inside we're eating low the bar. Our hearts are desolate and barren, missing something that we can't nail down, but it haunts us. It gets hard to get up every morning knowing that the day that is coming is just like the day before, hopeless. The trying harder gets exhausting. The acts get old. We resign ourselves to the fact that this is all there is. It looks hopeless. But <laughs> there is a king that's looking for you. The king is greater than an earthly king like David. This is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the one who created the universe, the earth, and you. He made a covenant on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago. His covenant was, whoever looks to me and believes will be free. Free from sin, free from desolation, and free from hopelessness. Jesus wants to offer grace to you today. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've earned it. Not because you've changed your life. He wants to offer it to you simply because of who He is. He wants to offer you grace because He loves you. Jesus offers you a place at the King's table. Your background doesn't matter. Your past doesn't matter. Your upbringing it doesn't matter. All he wants is for you to come to him. All you have to do is answer him today. He's calling you today. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you an escape from hopelessness. 
He offers you salvation today. You just have to respond in faith. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace, is that word, you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Hallelujah. His grace is there for you. Just turn to Him and believe. And, and brothers and sisters, let us not forget that. We are so used to working for everything in our lives that we tend to carry that over into our spiritual lives and into our relationship with the Lord. Remember the meaning of grace, unmerited favor. You don't get it because you worked for it or deserve it, but you get it because of His love and of His grace. David understood the goodness of God. And perhaps this experience with Mephibosheth helped him to have a deeper understanding of God's goodness. He wrote in the 23rd Psalm, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you catch that? Goodness and mercy shall follow me. It follows you not because of what you have done, but because of who God is. Mercy means not being punished for something you have done wrong. Grace is receiving good things for which you have not worked for or earned. So remember the story of the forgotten son. We were all like Mephibosheth. But today, we sit at the king's table at his invitation because of his goodness. Let's keep a thankful, humble heart until the day we see him face to face and enjoy the fullness of his kingdom forever. Amen? Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. In the story today, we catch a glimpse of your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you invite us to your table. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've paid the price. You've opened the way, Lord, and you invite us to simply say yes to your invitation. It is so good, Lord, to know that you don't have to work to earn our salvation, but you've done all the work for us. And today, all we have to do is say yes and come to your table. Thank you for this precious gift, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you in His ways. May you have a wonderful week. And let's remember the story. Remember, you are not a forgotten son. You are not a forgotten daughter. You are called to sit at the Lord's table and be a child of God. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday.